podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome back to another stream, another podcast, another match preview. The games are coming so fast right now. Like I said before, we can barely keep up with this team right now. But um, as you can see, we're joined by a special guest, Patrick, um, who I will introduce properly in just a moment. Uh, but before I do that, obviously, make sure you check out the sponsor, as always, of the podcast. Um, your foot card doing an unbelievable job. They have actually got a giveaway at the minute. They produced these sort of cards for the um, website Footbin. You guys might know it, or Footwiz, I think it is actually Footwiz. Um, if you guys play FIFA, you might know those guys. They did a, an interview with Patrick Clivert. So they made a card for Patrick Clivert, and he's actually signed two cards, I believe. And they're doing a giveaway. So if you head over to your foot card on Twitter, you can potentially win a Patrick Cliver signed card. Uh, I'm going to enter it. Make sure you get involved with that as well. Um, but yeah, let's introduce our guest first and foremost. That's always the polite thing to do. Uh, Patrick, how are you doing, my friend? Yeah, I'm good, man. So yeah, excited to be on with an esteemed panel. I'm in you lot's house, so be kind and be nice. And um, to be fair, well, you lot are coming to our gaff on, um, on Saturday, so it's going to be a good one. But like I said backstage, I'm excited for this one, man. Liverpool have been doing their thing quietly. I've always had a lot of love for Liverpool. I mean, you lot are way out the way, you know, me being in Tottenham in London. I've never minded you guys. Typically, you've always played good football, always had a good team. And like I always say, you always stick it on the Man United fans that talk too much and the Arsenal <laughs> fans that talk too much. So I've always had a lot of love for Liverpool. Obviously, on Saturday, that goes out the window. And um, yeah, but excited to be here. You lot have been doing your thing. You're looking good, quietly. No one's really... Well, people are starting to talk about you now. But beforehand, you weren't really, you know, in people's thoughts. So, yeah, I can't complain. It should be two good teams going at it, which is going to be a good spectacle. Obviously, not for us a lot being right in the mix of it, but for the neutrals, yeah. it should be a good one. Absolutely. And, you know, it's an honour to have you on here, mate, because I know we've obviously spoke about doing this uh, quite a bit in, in the old DMs. So it's, it's good to finally get it going. Um, and then we've got the usual boys. You don't need to talk about those guys. But we will anyway. We'll be. <laughs> Uh, we'll go to Tom first. Uh, how are you doing, my friend? AKA the Turbo Wall, I think you named on Twitter, isn't it? Yeah, I judge that by someone who isn't even from Liverpool, so it's lovely to see. <laughs> uh, now I'm good, mate. That the Reds are playing some good football, nothing to complain about. Hopefully, it's a good win for us. I- I'm not one of them ones who says, Hopefully, it's a good game. Now, hopefully, it's a good win. Hopefully, it's a good win yeah. for us on Saturday. Absolutely. And Mike is back. How you doing, mate? Yeah, just standard, mate. Don't seem too excited to see me, mate. Um, yeah, no, it's. <laughs> I, feel, <laughs> I feel no, I feel good, man. Uh, I've been saying this a little bit this week. My mum's a Spurs fan, so I've uh, oh, kind of nice. nah, man. Nice. But you say wicked, bro. Last season when the four three, ah, uh, yeah, nightmare. Pull her up. She's like, "Hey, how you doing?" She won't pick a single call up for a week. <laughs> wow! Wow! Hey, <laughs> listen, the game's coming up this Your week. Right? Mom was hearing you. She what? No, she was. She all she's been saying about how Jot is a cheat. He like karate kick players, and like it's all okay. like he was just going off. Um, just on a side track, I will never forgive Diogo Jota for that stupid celebration in that game. I will never forgive him for that. I think Mate, I can never, I can never forgive Lucas for what he did. We clawed and fought our way back into that from three 0 down, and then he goes and does a he gift wrapped Jota an assist, and then yeah, heartbreaking. Jota had the chance to be the most like toxic human being in the world by doing that stupid pigeon dance. I call it the pigeon dance. I don't call it yeah. the chicken. I call it the pigeon. 
right? And I'm sorry, Patrick, but we've got to say it. Richarlison, for, for us Liverpool fans, he's probably one of the, the, I think I speak for a lot of people, we we despise that man. Like, we absolutely despise him. So Jota should have gone and done that celebration and he sits down and starts playing his Xbox. And I know EA probably pay him loads of money to do that nonsense, but come on, man. That celebration I wouldn't change terrible. a thing about how that game ended. About you know it, what I the best part peak. was? It, whoever was operating the cameras that day, the moment they cut back to Richardson, he was sat oh, there with yeah. this. That was I good. Yeah. Swap anything in the world for that because the, this this stain I have for Richardson runs so deep. He, there's three players. There's three players I properly hate in the Prem: Bernardo Silva, Pickford, Bruno Fernandez, and Richardson. Why Bernardo? I don't get that one. What's the um... oh, the deep law with that? But go on. Oh, okay, he, Bernardo he, doesn't he, really he like us, so I don't really he, like he, Bernardo. He, 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 oh, okay. he said that they all need to go and read a book or something. Like yeah, that. Okay. yeah, yeah, wow, yeah he, I didn't know. I don't know when we were doing the um, the you know what's it called when they applaud when you walk on the pitch. He was the only one who did. Yeah. Like, oh, really? Is that deep? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will. I know. We'll say that. I think I'm the only person that doesn't really hate for Charleston out of all the four boys here. No, no, listen, I'll, I'll say now, like, I used to hate him. I used to, listen, I used to make my blood boil, but the reason I don't hate him now is purely off of the way, I think it was a Dini and Antonio or Wilson and Antonio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About him. I thought Antonio. for me, I don't know what it was, but for me, the moment they said that, I have started rooting for him a little bit because I hate the way professional footballers that are still playing the game felt like it was okay to mock him. So, like, listen, I don't give a, like, yeah, I don't really happened? care about him too much. They were on a podcast, uh, correct me if I'm wrong as well, uh, Pat, but they they yeah. have their little podcast, don't they? Yeah, and they, they do, basically yeah. started mocking him about how you know he doesn't score goals, about he's just crybaby, he's over emotional. That sort of mocking him. And I think for me, like if, it's one thing for you know pundits or spectators, like oh we're just spectators, really, aren't we? We can have our two cents because we're all couch commentators. But when you're in the game, you I feel like it's disrespectful. I feel like it's wrong. So like from my point of view now, as long as he doesn't do anything against us, do doesn't do anything unbelievable. I want him to do a little bit better than Antonio and and, and Wilson. Mm. So I just it's, uh, I uh, he, he can't be doing much worse than Antonio. We didn't even show up to the podcast this week. <laughs> apparently, I know, I know what you're saying, but I just uh, as I, I say, it's just me just, being neutral, isn't it? But yeah, you know, fair enough. Um, let's get straight into it then. Um, we're gonna go straight to Patrick because I want to know um, why Tottenham have all of a sudden become good sort of overnight. Like <laughs> with, with no disrespect, like. Well, we was watching Tottenham last season and obviously, like, over the last few years with Nuno, Mourinho, mm. um, all of a sudden, mate, you've lost your, your captain, probably the best player you've seen at Tottenham, correct me if yeah. I'm wrong. 100%, so 100%. How all of a sudden, mate, have you lost him and, you know, let's be honest, the window on paper as well, like, it was decent, but not many people would have thought, okay, that window means Tottenham are going to be back mm. up there so what's happened mate what's understood that's working really you know what it's a funny one because you say all of a sudden and i get it from someone that's not really following the club it looks yeah, of like course, that yeah, but yeah. a lot of the components have quietly been there but we just had the wrong manager like basuma's not a new signing he was there last year but he wasn't used properly and he was just literally thrown in a scrap heap and everyone can see how good of a player he is the same with Saar. Saar was at the team last year hardly got a kick Hoiberg and and um, and flipping Skippy were starting in front of him every game, which is criminal. And then you've had obviously people like Romero, who a lot of fans who aren't Spurs fans don't really appreciate how good he is. But when he was paired with Davinson Sanchez and Everett Dyer, 
you were never going to see the best of him. So there's these players that have been there. Pedro Poro came in January, another good player. But again, in an awful system, you didn't see the best of him. And then, yes, we have added some players as well. Ange Postacoglu has made sure that the guys he's brought in fit his ethos. He's a guy that wants to play on the front foot, wants to play attacking football, pass the ball forward. And he's just instilled that bit of belief and just, you know, you guys can play, go and play. And other managers wanted to put the handbrake on, restricted the players. They couldn't do certain things. This guy's just a go and play, believe in yourselves, hold on to the ball and play football that, the way you want to play football. And the signings have really worked as well. Madison, what a player, man. That guy for 40 million, that's unbelievable business. The guy's, mm. it looks like he's been at Spurs for years and he's literally only played five or six games. Insane baller. Like the guy can do it all from a playmaking point of view. And we've not had that kind of player in our team since Ericsson. So he's someone we've been screaming out for. For me, I was fuming. We go and get Madison and we lose Harry Kane. I was like, he just couldn't make it up. But luckily, so far, and it is early days, so you know, you don't want to go too crazy. So far, yeah, it has to look like we've missed the goals. At some point, there will be a point where we start missing Harry Kane's goals. But as it stands yeah. right now, everyone's chipping in, which is great. Sonny coming in and being a leader, playing the number nine. And I'm, I'm really excited because you guys obviously play on the front foot. You play a high line. That's mm-hmm. going to suit Sonny to a T. Teams that sit behind the ball and camp, that's where Son will struggle. But against you guys who want to play football and will have your defenders pushed up, you know Sonny can run at you guys. And obviously, you know, that's going to be something to really look at. Um, and then, yeah, you've just, we bought in good fullbacks. Yudoji was someone that we bought last year and loaned him straight back. Again, that guy's only 20 years old and he looks quality. Mickey van der Ven, good player, ball player, centre back. Very quick. You, yeah, exactly. And he's a good player, mm. man. Good, good player. So the components have been there and, and we've recruited well as well. Um, our first 11 is very good. Squad depth is questionable. But our first 11, I think, can go toe-to-toe with most teams. And I think, obviously, Ange is a manager who, I, I'll be real, I when when obviously we had a summer again, a tedious one, we were linked to everyone and the nan, this manager, that nan, blah, 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 blah. You know, we were close to Arnie Slot. We were close to this guy, that guy. So when Ange Postacoglu was looking like the lead candidate and things were, I was like, what the fuck? Uh, sorry, not Arnie Slot, Ange Postacoglu, a guy who's managed in the J-League, managed in, you know, Australia, managed in at Celtic. And let's be real, there's two teams in, in the Scottish League and, it's a, it's a, you know, no one really respects that league. And I was worried yeah. because every time I saw Celtic against a good team, i.e. in the Champions League, he had a very naive way of playing. Against like Real Madrid, they went gung-ho and ended up getting turned over. Against any good team I saw them play against, they got battered. So I was like, if this guy comes into the Premier League and plays like that, I fear for Tottenham. But naturally, or luckily, obviously we've got better players than Celtics. Something's clicked so far. And we, yeah, like you can't believe this is the same... Tottenham team. I know it's not, but this is the same Tottenham team yeah, that was there. Sure. And and as well, we've had a without people really realizing, we've had a massive overhaul. We've got a new goalkeeper, we've got a new left back, we've got a new LCB, we've got a, basically a new defensive midfield line with Saar and, and Basuma. We've got a new attacking player in James Madison. We brought in Ben and Johnson. So you're already looking at seven or eight or nine new players. So the team's completely different. And again, obviously, that's why you guys are seeing a completely different Tottenham. So it's a bit of a long-winded answer, but that's the reason why you're seeing brilliant. Yeah, different that makes sense. Mike, I know you're itching to go, but I've got a I've got a question for Tom. Just um, just on the back of what pa- Patrick's just said, Tom, I know you're um, 
sort of in the know when it comes to uh, managers, mate. Uh, I know you've got an extensive <laughs> list of managers that um, you would like to replace Klopp one day. Um, so what do you make of Postacoglu, mate? Like, obviously, did, did you know of him before he went there? And what sort was of he on qualities your list does he bring as a manager? He, 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 he <laughs> wasn't, no. He, he didn't make my short so, list. So, so, so hang on, just before, uh, before you go. Yeah, what sort of, like, ideas does he bring to Tottenham that can cause us problems on, on Saturday? That, that's what the ultimate question is. Um, I knew of him, but I didn't think he'd take to the Premier League this well. I like him because he's just a normal bloke. There's none of this proven proper. He, he, he's a normal bloke. He says some funny things. It, as, as someone who doesn't really you know, have that much affection for Tottenham, it's funny to see him pop up on your Twitter timeline and, and saying something funny in a press conference. But as a manager, I think the thing with Tottenham is... Yes, they want success, and that will come down the line. But the biggest thing for Tottenham is, do they play a nice style of football that their fans can get behind? And the previous managers are not managers synonymous with that. They are managers synonymous with poor football results. The matter of fact was, though, Tottenham never had the squad to for them results to ultimately mean anything. Now they're just playing the nice football again with a decent squad, made some really good signings. Everyone's on board. I think what he's doing with the fullbacks at the minute, in terms of Udoji and Poro, adding to that midfield quality that he's already got with Basuma and Saar and Madison. I think the biggest one will be how he manages the left wing this season, because obviously Brennan Johnson's new signing. I think he's going to miss our game though with an injury. Got Manor Solomon on a free. Schumann Son obviously probably won't be playing there now because he's been moved up front. Maybe that's where Richarlison breaks back into the side, use more of his work rate and defensive efforts to sort of revitalise himself in his old position. They play some nice football, they're a good side. Are there some problem areas? I, I still think that the as good as Potter was attacking-wise... I don't think he's great defensively and putting him on the same side as Romero can be a little bit of an issue at times. But they, I've got no complaints about Tottenham this season. They play some nice football, good manager, good players. They're not going to be an easy game. Not at all. Not at all. And Mike, I'm just going to bring it back to, to our side of things just for you, mate. Um, obviously, the 3-1 Reds, I now call them, got another 3-1 win last night. That's now... I believe four three-one wins on the bounce. Uh, Lask, Wolves, Lask, West Ham, and Leicester. So, yeah, I know we we've spoken about this a lot, but what's happening with us? Talk about the start of our season. Why are we still having to go a goal down to come back and win the game? And is this a concern for you on Sunday? Because if Tottenham go a goal up away at their ground with their new stadium, it is flipping loud when it gets when it gets on top there. So if they get that early goal, is that going to be a concern for you? Where okay, this time it might not be straightforward. It's just okay, we'll score three goals. Yeah, I think going one 0 down to Tottenham is very different to going one 0 down to Leicester or Europa League side or being at home. <laughs> going one 0 down away to Tottenham is is a difficult position to be in. Certainly not what I hope yeah. we end up in. Um, just because the, the way your fans are, you know what I mean? You guys are phenomenal when you want to be. Haven't been in the last couple of years, but you've had fair reason not to be. You know, you've not had managers get you on your feet. <laughs> I think contact, but you've, yeah. there was about an ounce of personality in the last three years, <laughs> like between your managers, you know. So I trust. 
Um, but no, listen, I, I think this season it's been there are a couple of ways you can look at it. Yeah, like I've seen a few people criticize us defensively and say, you know, we should be doing better. But for me, it's just seeing the spirit of the team is just, you know, being able to come back consistently like that and not look drained from it, but look uh enthused by it. I think I think is a hallmark of a, a good side, hallmark of a young side that's still learning and you know, not everyone's hundred percent yet. People are still learning the way it is. It's talking about overhaul pack, you know, we've overhauled our midfield as well this summer. You know, we've got rid of pretty much what you consider the majority of the leadership team and, you know, replaced them all within one summer, promoted a few up through the ranks and they've they've all turned up and started very well, thankfully. Um you know, I, for me, I just think it's something to be excited about more than anything. I I feel like Tottenham and Liverpool are in a very similar similar transitional moment in the sense it's it's year one in a lot of ways. This new team that is presented under the manager is year one for us. Obviously, we've had Klopp for a long time. This is the second phase for him. You know, it's the first year under, um, you know, yours. So I was about to try and say his last name. Too late for me to even say that without... Uh, I appreciate you. I can't pronounce any word. You'll learn that about me, bro. Um, <laughs> I struggle with Tom's name, to be honest, mate. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think all in all, man, is I look at it in a positive way. I'm sure Tom's probably similar to me. Like, there, there's a lot of positives to take from this season. Not something that I, I'd look to be negative about after a couple of games. Don't get me wrong. If we're still not picking up clean sheets or we're still going behind consistently when we reach end of November. I'll, I'll, yeah, it's a concern. But as of right now, we we haven't looked under the cosh in these games. We haven't looked worrisome in these games. The only game I've been worried about this season was the first 45 against Wolves. And that was because McAllister and Sobersly couldn't retain the ball, um, which was just a concern for me. But it was obvious as to the reason why McAllister couldn't and Sobersly just didn't have a good 45 and that's okay. You know what I mean? But I'm a positive guy right now. I feel there's nothing to be worried about. No, absolutely. And I think um, for, from from my point of view, I think yesterday was important to win because I know a lot of those players aren't going to start on, on Saturday. I think that's pretty clear. You know, the likes mm. of Gravenberts probably isn't going to start. Uh, Nunes and Diaz obviously come back in. The defenders come back in. Alisson obviously comes back in. But what I will say is I, I believe it was important to win that game, to go into this game on the back of a win. Even if we did rotate the team and they lost, okay, you could say that's fine because those players aren't the ones playing. I think it will still have a knock-on effect with the, the the squad morale. So I think yesterday was so important to to come back from a goal behind and win the game. Obviously, I was I, I was in the ground. It was a really good game in the end. Of like I said to you guys off stage, there was no doubt. I, I don't think in anyone's mind that we were going to lose that game. I think we all thought the minimum we're getting from this is penalties because it was just a bit of a, a weird goal. And I, I briefly saw it back in the ground. I thought it was a foul on Timmy Cass. I'm not sure now what I think looking back. Um, but at the end of the day, we, we, we did what we've done all season and we've come back and we won the game. And I think that's going to be massive for us. And Patrick, um, talking about com- comebacks, I mean, you played against Arsenal, your, your biggest rivals. Um, this, this, I think it was the same time we played West Ham. So unfortunately, we couldn't actually watch the game. But from what I saw, I believe you came back from behind twice um, yeah. to to get the point, mate. So again, is that something new in this Tottenham side? Some sort of fight back spirit and like a, a sort of I know people um, cringe and stuff, but I say it's a cliche. But is, is there some sort of mentality monster thing going on for you guys now? You know what? It's an odd one because we've always been known to come back in games. Like even under Conte, when we were awful, we would always go a goal down, and then to begin with, we were coming back and winning games. If you remember at the beginning of the season, we were second and third for a long time, but then obviously it caught up. It caught us up, and there's only so long you could play that type of football before 
the fans and the players and everyone got disheartened and you know but we've always been a team that has a bit of resilience as and when but this year it does feel different because we're actually playing good football so you know there's weird moments where you can go behind like you guys probably yesterday you go behind in the game but you're controlling the game you kind of like how the hell has this happened and you know you're going to start going you know you're ticking over moving the ball around and you'll get the goals but last year under Conte we were just awful we were always under the cosh so we're going to go behind and then having to turn it on and that can only work for so long but this year yeah against Arsenal it was a toughie because you know, our, our record at the, at the Emirates stinks. It's been like one year, one win in 20 years. Um, awful record. We haven't beat them wow. there since 2010. It was a ho- horrible, horrible record. We got beaten there 5-2, two, two uh, away derbies in a row. Our record there was shambolic. So, you know, and for me, I was excited going into the game because it was our first proper test. Because let's be real, even though Man United on paper is meant to be a tough game, they're fucking shocking at the moment. So, um, you know, when when we played them, it was an easy win, even though their fans would tell you, oh, if Bruno would have scored or this, but it didn't happen, innit? The game was comfortable. We were comfortable throughout it. They're very good at doing that. Yeah, like, oh, if Bruno scores in the first half, but he didn't. Do you know what I mean? And then after that, we were cruising. It was one of our easiest games, if I'm being real. We was totally in control, beat them 2-0, clean sheet, didn't really do anything. So that was meant to be our first big test. Obviously, it wasn't. So Arsenal away is a tough game. And, with you know, it's our sixth fixture. I was excited going into it. We were level on points, yada, yada, yada. But I was like, oh, maybe it's too early in this new team's, you know, uh, process or phase or whatever you want to call it. But to be fair, we stood up and we went toe-to-toe. I said it before on other streams. I just wanted to see the boys play our brand of football, not cower. And if we lose, we lose. But, you know, don't sit behind the ball. Don't change what we've been doing. We've been playing so well going into that game. I didn't want to see us then just show them too much respect or totally change and, you know, get beaten. And, yeah, we went behind. Then we started playing. We totally bossed them. At the end of the first half, we had that 65% possession before we scored. And in second half, yeah, you saw, as you guys probably saw, we pretty much dominated most of it. Um, I was a bit annoyed when he took off Madison and Son in like the 77th minute. Because I, for me, I thought they was there for the taking, but then I also understood that maybe he, you know, he's an experienced manager. He maybe he didn't want us to get hit with a sucker punch, because obviously Arsenal have done that. They did that to Man United. They've done it a few times where they kind of counter you, and then yeah, they end up winning the game. So he probably is that. You know what? Let's protect this game. We're not going to lose yeah. it, but at least you know, uh, let's not throw it away. But no, I was proud to see the way we played. I was proud. You know, Arsenal. Everyone says they were, they are a good team. I'm not going to be disingenuous. They're a good team. I don't know how good they're going to be this year because they don't look as good. But everyone knows they're good. They had a sensational season last year. And we went toe-to-toe. I mean... They did had, follow the league, had, though. That's, that's yeah, that no, no, no. There's you know, no we have to say that, Patrick, because if that was any other team that was top of the table for 90% of the season, their fans would be the first 100%. to laugh about it. So 100%. they bottled it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They definitely bottled the league and I always get onto them for that. As much you know, they had a uh, if you look at it, they were fifth the year before. And no people said oh, they might make top four, but no one expected them to do what they did. Nah, so from that true. standpoint, they had an amazing season. But to be on top for ninety percent of the season, City were chasing and they were well clear of them and to bottle it the way they did. That's insane. And like you ah. said, if that was you guys, ours, we would get roasted for the rest of well, our Well, you lives. did get roasted for it. When Leicester won the league, you got roasted for it. Yeah, I know. And we were uh, never on top of that season as well. Never yeah. on top. 
Well, I want a couple of things I want to ask you about Spurs. I, firstly, I kind of want to focus in on one play. You mentioned Romero earlier. Now, again, I'm, I'm speaking to someone who's watched a fair amount of Spurs games as a, just as a result of the people that I'm related to. I, I think for me, Romero, he's a, he's a very good centre-back, but I do think he's very rash. I think he's very emotional. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, when he was playing alongside Eric Dyer or Sanchez, you know, it's not a great partner. And I think Van de Ven looks very composed on the ball, especially for his age. I think it's a good compliment. But do you think Romero in big games, he's cost you a couple of times? Uh, and I've seen it last season, and you can always blame his partner. But in this game, United aside, but in, in the Arsenal game, you know, I got the debrief and I did watch the highlights myself. Away from even the goals, you can see that he didn't look comfortable when he was put under a high press inside. So let's say you come across a Brighton or like your players, obviously, on Saturday when the, the defenders are pressed because you do play out from the back. It's rare you'll go long. Is yeah. that something you're you're worried about uh, potentially? No, I'm not. You know, I think Romero's a quality player. You're right. He is emotional. He does play on the edge. Some players, you know, you want that in them. Sometimes I do feel like, you know, I've been at the, you know, I'm a, a season ticket holder, so I go to all the games and sometimes he'll clatter and whack a guy for no reason. I'm like, for fuck's sake, why did you do that? Because now you're on a yellow card for the rest of the game. So he has got that in him, but all in all, he's a top defender. The thing is, I'm, it's so annoying. The fixtures, the way they did the fixtures last week, because obviously I would have loved to watch your game, but we couldn't. So, you know, oh, you guys, oh, you, yeah, it's insane that they did that. Like yeah. all the top teams are playing at the same time, which is criminal. So, but going back to Romero, he, um, He'll get blamed for the penalty, but for me, there's nothing he could do. Like his hand was in a natural position. He slipped, I didn't think it was a pen for this. Yeah, game. I think it's a penalty because it's in the box. It was on target, and even though it's against my team, I feel that it's a penalty because it hits his hand. Mm. It's definitely, regardless if it's intentional or not, it hit his hand. It was going in, and it's just one of them things where if it was the other way around, I would 100% want it. So I just call that's exactly it. Yeah. Impartial, yeah. So even though it's against us and it cost us, you know, big time because. Who knows if they would have scored that second goal? I've just got to be real. For me, it's a penalty, but nothing more. There's nothing he could have done. The ball deflected onto his hand. It is mm. one of those things. But, yeah, so it's not his fault. He did. He was a bit shaky at first, but all of our players were shaky. But once he grew into the game, mm. you watch it back, he was composed on the ball. He always pushes forward. He, you know, he was dictating play as a centre-back. I think he's a top player. But, of course, you guys are a different proposition. And when you've got Luis Diaz, when you've got the intelligence of Gakpo, when you've got Salah, we're going to see, you know, what he's really made of. There's no more excuses. Yeah. Well, I think I'm big fight with... the... Sorry, go on. Go right ahead. No, no, I was going to say he's partnered with a good centre-back now. He's got a good goalkeeper behind him. No more excuses from Romero. You know, no more excuses. Just be controlled, composed. Yeah, of course, he's always going to have that rush of blood, the Argentinian blood in him. But just don't wipe <laughs> guys out for no reason. Don't do stupid shit, you know. Don't put the team in jeopardy. Because you're right, Mike. For, he does have a bit of it. And I think rival fans that see highlights and don't watch us all the time, of course, you're going to see the extreme bits. But watching him cool. all the time, I do think he's a lot more composed mm. than people credit for but of course I get it because when you watch one game here or there or you see the highlights you're only going to see these mad moments well I think one, no, one battle that you're going to see well, sorry Ben uh, one battle you're going to see so, without a doubt is is Nunes v him I think that's going to be really interesting because I think Nunes Tom smiles and, as you say that. Yeah, is Nunes uh, definitely going to start well I personally yeah, I, I don't know about you boys it, you feel Tom do you reckon he'll start yeah he I, I don't see where he starts Jossard or Gakpo up front ahead of him okay. at the minute. But Tom, what do you think about that yesterday? That battle, that's, that's, that's going to go one of two ways. Either both are going to be on the best behaviour 
or in the 60th minute, someone's going to kick the other and there's going to be a square <laughs> yeah, up. Elbow exactly. head, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can't hope for the latter, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I don't, because dude, I'll get two into it and get, get himself sent <laughs> off again. Well, oh, I'll, I'll you know what? Tom, Tom made a good point. Sorry, just to go back. And that's the thing where, like, so to be fair, Mike, I didn't think about it. These are the moments where I don't trust Romero and I don't trust him. <laughs> if he gets wound up or someone does something yeah. crazy, if it's Mickey van der Ven or someone else, you know they'll probably walk away. Or, But I don't trust Romero in that moment to keep a clear head. So that is something he needs to work on because he could cost the team. And yeah, you don't want your, want your best centre-back or one of your best players getting sent off in the 60th, 70th minute because then the game's mm. fucked. Yeah, well, I think when it comes to those types of players... Sorry, man, go right ahead. No, 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 you go, you go. <laughs> I feel really bad. I hate you coming across, man. Um, I think when it comes to those types of players, you can't really push that out of them. I mean, we had Luis Suarez for years, and like, listen, I don't, know, I don't know how much therapy we put that man through, but he, he didn't get, he didn't come away with anything, I'll tell you now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, I, th- I think, listen, no, that, that's one thing. Absolutely you know, not. Literally nothing. Uh, listen, I, I like your team a lot this year, but the one thing that I think I wanted to ask you specifically is on your ownership. And I don't want to get too much into it because I understand how it can go. Uh, but when it comes to Daniel Levy, when you sold Gareth Bale, right? And I, I thought about this when you sold Kane. When you sold Gareth Bale, you took that 100 mil and you invested it straight away. I'd probably say two of them signings worked out out of the bunch. Uh, from from memory, Ericsson was definitely one of them. I'm trying to scramble back through it. And I'd probably say Lamella, Lamella. just the longevity. I think Lamella, you know, he scored a few moments. He created a few moments for it. But for the, for the majority, none of them really worked out. None of the replacements worked out. I think this year looks like you learned from your mistakes. You know, you got rid of Harry Kane, got this money in. I think you've invested it really well. But overall, do you feel like Levy as... He's not really your owner, is he? He's almost like the face of it. But what do you think of him as an owner? And do you think that his time's running out? Because his decision-making has been very questionable over the last couple of years. Yeah, I think he's very lucky with the Ange Postecoglou appointment he gambled he got it right so far and it's taken a lot of flack off him because the fans I mean every game last year home and away we were screaming and chanting Levy out and you could clearly hear it it's the first time the fans in unison has just come to the agreement that this guy's not good for our club and selling Harry Kane for me is a travesty um, you never want to see your best player in my opinion he's the best player I've ever seen in a Spurs shirt you never want to see your best player get sold if we would have built the team around Harry Kane like we was meant to so many times, he wouldn't want to leave. Like Harry Kane spurs through and through. I get why he wanted to leave and why he had to leave for the sake of his career and all of that stuff. And I, I wish him the best of luck at, uh, at Bayern uh, at Munich. But he should have never got to that. And the reason why I did get to that is because of the mismanagement of the squad, the wrong appointments managerial-wise never you know just fucking the team up like he just he says he's got Tottenham's best interests at heart but over negotiating on sales in and sales out or you know I don't ever see any of anyone others uh, any other club's chairman as busy and as active as him but all for the wrong reasons you know and you see Bright and Tony Bloom but it's only because the guy's doing fantastic and you see him here and there just talking about but this guy's everywhere but it's all for the wrong reasons we're meant to get a director of football in but then we hear Daniel Levy still pretty much pulling all the strings. We meant to have a new director of football in or a chief operator of football, whatever you want to call it, Scott Munn. The guy disappeared and went MIA. Allegedly, he started last week, but he was missing the whole of the summer transfer window, which is the most important period for any club, especially on a rebuild. The guy's he's he just doesn't know what he's doing. And I mean, the, the, the facts are there. One trophy in 22 years. Before Daniel Levy's... Yes, 
terms of we're now. <laughs> Sorry, have I gone? Yeah, there you go. Levy's listening. He's trying to yeah, yeah, say he kicked you out, bro. Gremlins coming through, but yeah, no, he's um. One trophy in 22 years says it all, man. Even before that, before Daniel Levy's tenure, we won and were more successful as a club. It's frustrating because we were so close under Poch. If he would have backed Pochettino the way he wanted to, I feel we would have probably won something. We went two transfer windows without a signing. That's insane. The fact that we were still finishing second and third and third during that, that when you look at it now, that's incredible. It's, it's unheard of. Like That should never happen again. Probably would never happen again. And I just feel... Yeah, he got lucky with Postacoglu. But for me, Daniel Levy is everything other than football. Like, he's built the brand. Mm. You know, we're now considered a top club, a big club. The stadium's fantastic. All the other bits and bobs are amazing. You know, the Beyonce concerts, the NFL, Guns and Roses, <laughs> Lady Gaga, go-karting. Lady but Gaga. As, wow. as a football fan, I just want to see a good footballing team in a nice stadium. All the other stuff, mm. to me, doesn't mean much. It's Make great if the football's go karting, like, what's yeah, that like, You know what I mean? Exactly. That would actually kind of annoy me if yeah, I see yeah. FSG it, putting it, Beyonce It reminds me the fuck up. And because obviously you guys, you guys don't know, but I'm 15 minutes away from the stadium. So when all this shit is happening, I can't get in and out of Tottenham. So it winds me up when I see all the <laughs> If the money's invested back into the club, brilliant, fantastic. Mm. But if it's not, then who gives a fuck? So right now, mm. you know, and Mike, you made a good point about investing the money back in. We pretty much probably didn't. We spent what we would have spent if Kane was here or not here, if you get what I mean. It's not like we spent a lot more than other clubs. Typically, most clubs spend about 100, 150 million, like ambitious clubs every summer. We spend that this year. So it's not like we spent more because Kane's money came in. So I'm... Um, I'm not really sure if the money's been invested. If it, if we spend big in January or in the summer, cool. But right now, we pretty much have spent what we would typically spend anyway. Yeah. No, that's um, that, that's fair enough. And um, look, I think we, we could talk about ownerships all day. There's a lot to be said about ours as well, um, which we won't go in there because, we, like I said, we'll be here till... Yeah, end up going like a rabbit um, hole. <laughs> yeah, exactly, mate. Uh, so I'm going to bring Tom back in and we're going to go back to this game. Um, Tom, the away games in the Premier League so far have been Chelsea, Newcastle and West Ham. Um, and given Tottenham's form, my question to you is, do you rank this game, and this is including Chelsea, as the toughest away game so far? And if it is, what do we have to do to make sure we get those three points, mate? Um, I still have Newcastle as harder, but that's just because of St. James Park. I think that going there and getting a result is a little bit more tougher than going to Tottenham's ground. And especially when you consider the way the game went and everything. The one thing I will say is our Chelsea result looks worse and worse with every week that's gone by, which mm. is, a, is a very annoying thing. But how, how do we beat Tottenham? Um, it's going to be a tough one because if Madison's playing, I don't know if he's playing or not. I know he had to go off in the um, North London derby. He'd done his knee like five minutes before and off a tackle from Hleybierg, not Hleybierg, um, Jorginho. So I don't know if that was a part that played in, in it. Maybe, maybe that's sort of something that is going to hamper him. If he plays, we have a little bit more of a problem because we don't really have anyone who you can stick on him and just cut the passing lanes bar and Endo. And I don't think Jürgen Klopp's going to chuck Endo in. So, I think for us, we just have to focus on our game rather than neutralising them. And I think we have some really good matchups. I think 
as as good as Destiny and Dodgy has been, there's a difference when you come up against Mohamed Salah, who I still believe is the best player in, in the Premier League, playing like one of the best players in the world this season. If Dodgy get, I know he wants to attack. I know he's a very forward-thinking fullback. If he gets caught out, where Saka might not punish him, where other wingers like I don't know, Sheffield United's one who was just awful, where them ones won't punish him, Salah will. I think mm. on the other side, Luis Diaz against Pedro Porro. If Diaz decides to be a little bit more direct in his nature instead of what I believe he does at times, which is get the ball, take on a man, and then go, wow, that was good, that. Right, let me take him on again to make it even better. And sometimes <laughs> the attack almost dies off because he gets stuck on one man. If he's just direct like he has been for the majority of the games this season, then he's going to cause Porro a lot of problems. The most interesting battle for me, though, Soboslai versus Basuma. I think that one is mm. going to be a really interesting one to watch in the middle of the park because Basuma, when he's on it, when he's on it, I think he started the Arsenal game a little bit slower. Albeit, I didn't watch much of it. I had it on on my phone because yeah, brilliant, fi- brilliant yeah. fixture sort of things. I thought he started that game a little bit slow, but he grew into it. And when he grows into games, he's so good at protecting that ball. And I think Dominic Sobersly is so good at winning that ball with his press. So I think that's going to be a real good matchup to watch out for. And then when we've got the ball with him, I think Basum is a very good defender. I think Sobersly is a very good attacker. It's going to be a really good one. I think the Another one that might be interesting is whoever you play on the left-hand side. Because I, I don't think it's going to be Brennan Johnson again because I don't think he's going to recover from that. It looked like a pretty bad one. Yeah. So if it's Solomon or if it's if he moves Son back or he puts Richarlison out there, it'll be a really good one to see if we throw Trent back in. If Trent's available for the game, which is the first thing, say, is he available? if we throw him back in, yeah. Or do we go I've for another game today in some capacity? He was he was playing some sort of football today, so okay. I don't know what that what that means. I, 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 there's loads of interesting matchups. I mean, yeah. I I, mm. I think we are better than Tottenham. I, I I believe we're better than Tottenham, but it's by no means an easy game. And where Jurgen Klopp has got a lot right tactically this season, I think we need to have one of his best tactical performances if we're going to get the win against Tottenham because of everything around it. I don't think, unlike Newcastle, who settled and coasted, I don't think Postacoglu allows Tottenham to coast. Yeah. Even even when they've been winning against United at 1-0, and United were not doing a thing. They, they you, you might as well have just been playing against 11 men behind the ball. Postacoglu wasn't allowing any coasting. He was making the right subs. So it's going to be a tough test. I, I, I don't think it's as... I, I, I wouldn't put it above... Um, Newcastle, be- just because of everything around that game. But after the game, it might go above there. Who knows? Mm. It, 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 it's certainly tougher than Chelsea and, and Wolves. It, it, it's a real, real tough test because they're playing football the right way and they've got a lot of confidence about them. And if you know me, you know that I believe confidence is the number one thing in football. A team that's got loads of confidence is going to be a team that's got no confidence. No, agreed. And I before the season started, um, obviously going back to last season and the window and people weren't necessarily too happy with what we did and I did a prediction and I, I put us third and that was behind City and Arsenal now I think we'll finish above Arsenal to be fair um, but what I will say is Tom and you go on, you, you mentioned how this game's difficult and the question was you know is this the toughest away game we've had so far um, I will say if we if we win this game and then obviously we've got Brighton away the following week if we 
can somehow come out with two wins, then my prediction, I'm 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 sorry, I, I'm I'm gonna say that's guaranteed top three. I'm not thinking about anything lower than third now. In fact, I'm thinking second is minimum we finish. If we can that if and this is just a compliment to how good Tottenham are at the minute and obviously Brighton doing their thing with Deserby as well. If we can win these, I mean, I'd take four points out of these two games, to be honest. If we drew to Tottenham and beat Brighton, Mike, you're nodding your head, so you come in come in on this one. I would be more than happy with that. Obviously, but both away fixtures. Both away, mate. So yeah, this is sort of already, yeah, mate. That, very that would be, a, that would be very, brilliant. Very, like, pivotal you, win your, you win your home very, games and you don't draw, you don't lose when you go away. That's a sign of a very good team. So if you can come out of this with at least two points, that's fantastic. Yeah, but Mike, for the sake of this podcast, mate, let's not talk about a draw, eh? Let's, um, <laughs> uh, for, the, for the sake of the podcast, I'm, I need to bring you back down to earth. Listen, it, by the time we finish those two games, it's 10 games in and you're like, yeah, that's off three, boy. No, 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 no. I'm, not sa- I'm, I'm not saying like, what? You think a Liverpool fan is saying top three is now all of a sudden... We're bad, bro. I, We're down bad, bro. Listen, I I've been saying this to you for a minute because I love I it's love positive people. I know this is the listen, love, on, this is the only season in the last five years I've not said we're winning the league. The only one. I don't know, man. I'm sure if we if we go back through our summer window, you might have let it slip once somewhere along the way. I'm pretty sure when we signed, so if we sign Jude, we'll, we'll win the league. But <laughs> that's fair. Listen, I, listen. I think this game is vitally important for both sides. I think it's a good way of hallmarking where we're at. I think Tottenham are very known for bottling big moments. That's not disrespect to you. That is just unfortunately how it is. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily correct. I think you've had some really big moments in in big games. I always think of the City game and the Ajax game, the Champions League run uh, oh. for yourselves. There's an unbelievable, unbelievable game. Can you do with some more big moments against City this year as well, please? Yeah, if you do us a favour. Oh, I know yeah, Harry Kane normally bags the winner for you. Oh, so yeah. now you're asking for favours. For, so you, you must think we're in a title race then. I know. Hey, don't do that. Don't do that to me, man. Maybe Tom does. I think Tom does. I, I, Tom definitely does. Yeah, there you go. I'm. Don't even listen. I've seen some outrageous takes on the timeline last couple of days. I'm, I'm not even getting into it. Me personally, I'm not. I've said I'm not saying anything about the title, top four, where we're finishing until we get to the end of November. When we get there, I'll start making claims. But I think for this game, it's going to be huge for both sides. It's a good test for where both sides are at. I personally think it's our toughest away game. Uh, this season so far uh, I think if I before the start of the season to be honest I would have been with Tom Newcastle up till the Spurs game is the toughest away game I think with so the way the season has gone the way that all well. these teams yeah honestly with the way some of these teams have played I think Spurs just they they you, you look vicious Um, I think the way you've adapted to losing your biggest player is just you know sensational Um, so listen it'll be very interesting to see, see what happens but I think by no means if we win do, do we enter any sort of conversation for a race it also means it's by no means though. it's a statement without a doubt it's a statement for either side I think it'll be a score yeah, draw I've been saying that all week I think it's got 2-2 written all over it to be honest I think there'll be wow. a contentious decision in there too probably as well but we'll see, see what that happens that is interesting because our good friend Yuvraj said the same he predicted there a score draw and it'll be end to end game so, um, yeah, so get on to predictions in just a moment. And um, Patrick, this is what we love to do here, mate. We love to put our guests on the spot. We're going to put you in Postacoglu's office and you are going to pick the starting 11. Okay, all right. Cool. So obviously, Macario goes in goal. That's a no-brainer. Yep. I'm going to go Pedro Paul on the right. Even though, like you guys have said, defensively, he's not the greatest, but he 
brings a lot going forward. And he's been better defensively in the last couple of games. So, there you go, Pedro Poro. Uh, on the left, we're going to go Yudoji. Like um, Tom has said as well, very good defender. Sorry, very good attacking uh, uh, left back. Defensively, he still needs to learn a lot, but he is young. Saka scared the life out of me when he was running at him on sat uh, on Sunday. Obviously, Salah going at him is going to be... But at the end of the day, he's got to be in these big tests against these top players for him to learn. He's 20 years old, but he's a very good player. Uh, the centre-backs speak for themselves. On the left-handed side, you're going to have Nicky van der Ven. What a baller. And then, obviously, on the right-hand side, you're going to have Romero. So that's my back line. Defenders, you guys already know, it's going to be Sar and Basuma. So no-brainer there. Is this the formation you want then? Because this was the pre. Yeah, yeah, that's and... fine. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. perfect. Yeah, okay. yeah. Basuma on the right, yeah. Yeah, Basuma on the right, on the left. They, they, they interchange. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but so yeah, there you go. And then this is a tough one because I don't know who's really fit. Madison, I'm going to put him in the ten. Let's just hope and pray he's okay. They're saying all the signs are that he's going to be all right, so we will just put him in. Uh, I'm going to put Son up top. I think that song will definitely start as a nine because you guys play a high line and you're ambitious and you go forward. And that is the hallmark for a home and son uh, brace. Uh, Left-hand side, I'm probably going to put... This is a tough one, to be fair. Uh, I'm going to go with um, Solomon. And then, obviously, Kudaseski on the right. I think that probably makes more sense considering how the season's played and who's been starting and who's been getting minutes. There we are then. That is uh, Patrick's team. He believes will face Liverpool. Let's go for it. So Vasario in goal with Dogi, Van der Ven, Romero, Pedro Porro, Saar, Besuma, Solomon, Madison, Kulosevsky and Hilmin Son up front. What's the score going to be, mate? You know what? I'm gonna have to back my team on this one because I hate you guys. And I, like, I actually like Liverpool. I've got no issues with you, but you lot are our bogey team. Like, we're just cursed. You put a hex on us. We just can't beat you, no matter what happens. Going all the way back to when we beat you last at Wembley, four-one. You know when Lovren had a stinker and he got hooked at uh, half time. That was the best Everton's thing that ever happened then... to us. By the way. <laughs> ever since virtual no sideline, no time. Yeah. Ever since then, no matter what happens, we've had so many good chances and we've ended up drawing games or losing games. So even though I, my heart probably says a draw, a score draw, like a one-one or two-two, but just for the sake of us getting this horrible hex or hoodoo off, I'm gonna go two-one Spurs. I have so, some of the chances I've seen you miss in the past couple of oh, years against oh, us it's, it's have been insane. mental. I know. I, I've watched I've watched Harry Kane miss a five yard header. He's oh, headed he it into, it the, into ground the ground over the bar. Yeah, exactly. It gives me PTSD. The amount of chances that we've seen Bergwijn Bergwijn hit the post yeah. twice in the same as well. Like guys, I mean Bergwijn, forget him, he is shit. But the guys, other guys are missing chances that they would never miss. So I don't know what you guys have done to us. I don't know who's yeah. pissed on the goalposts or if someone's <laughs> killed a squirrel and buried it under the pitch. But we just need to get this hex off us. So, yeah, 2-1 Spurs. Yeah. I've got to believe it. There we are. Patrick's confident. And uh, big up, Jordy. Um, Obviously, you got your big win against Man City yesterday. And I was telling Tom uh, backstage that um, I think they just need to get the red ribbons out, to be honest, because if City aren't in the competition, then it's there for the taking. And Tom, oh, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Mike... 
put his head against the microphone. But it's fact. City are the o- Mike, City, I will say this loud and clear, are the only team that fears me in this country. I'm sorry. Obviously, this could age very badly because we're playing Tottenham on Saturday. But in terms of putting the fear into me, City are the only team where I'll wake up and I'll be like, oh my God, today we're playing Man City. No I agree with you. I agree with you. But before you go to Tom, like... We last season Bournemouth away. Does anyone not have PTSD from that last game? And we've got season, Dom in the got cup. Dom Sobersly now, mate. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to see him near the eleven. It's a cup game away from home, which will be sandwiched in between so two big games. If we if if we played a, a big team in the cup, you're still going. You're going with that team. That is the team we'll play all the way up to the semis. Like okay, that is no, I I, it, pretty but... much. Pretty, all pretty right, cool. then I think it's good to beat Bournemouth anyway. Yeah, we got we got Graven Butch. Listen, bro. I, I'm just saying our ribbons on the trophy after Jones. one one if, round. If Jones's yeah. name was Curtis Jonesinho, mate, bro, I love Curtis Jones. Jones. Don't throw that I like away. Curtis Jones, by the way. I think I he's like a good Curtis player, Jones. man. I think he gets just as some of your fan base. I'm not saying you guys, but some of your fan base are so on he's, he's a good player, fact, man. I'm gonna take this off the screen while she does. Yeah, it. every time I've watched him, I've been quietly impressed. I think he's technically very good. I've seen him yeah. fit uh, good finishes, good assists. Mm. I like him. And sometimes when I see some of your fans talk about I'm like, wow, is this the same guy I'm watching? I think he's a good, good player. Yeah, um, clip that and at everyone. Clip that and at the entire yeah, list because we know I, the names. We know I'm, the names. I'm, I'm shocked at some of the abuse he gets and it's from your own fan base because mm, everyone else yeah. that watches him thinks he's good. So I'm shocked. But yeah, I like mm, him. I think he's interesting. good. I love Curtis Jones too for the words. All right, Thomas, Thomas I'm going to replace Mike. I'm sorry, I'm going to put you at the bottom because Tom is the, the gaffer. Um, so we, we need to make sure we can see him. Um, here we go then, mate. I'm going to do this one for you because it's sort of... Oh, you yeah. know, I was going to go Adrian. You know, I think this is the game for Adrian. <laughs> Patrick wishes. Um, back four. Uh, no, Robbo, Van Dyke. Well, you told me you wanted Simicast to start backstage. Do not want Costa Simicaf starting any game to Liverpool Football Club at the minute. Um, I'm quite torn between my centre-back because Canate seems to be the obvious one. Yeah. But the fact that Joe Gomez didn't play makes me think that he could be in line. But then do I have to save Joe Gomez for right-back because we don't know what state Trent's going to be in? I'll... Oh, I want Trent to start, so I'm going to go for right centre back. Purely based off his form, Gomez. Gomez, ain't nobody. Joe Gomez running back like it's 1920. Trent at right back as well. Wait, if you want to run it back against Tottenham, surely Matip starts, no? Matip didn't play 1920. No, Champions League final. What happened to Matip anyway, just out of curiosity? Because he was good at he, yeah. he, he's just, just one of them just, hot and cold players. Just, just, okay. just aging as well, isn't he? Like, he's just a bit past it now. Like, okay, okay. Fair enough. Um, I'd probably go... Uh, McAllister's going to sit at the base. Okay. Sobersly on the right. Okay. And I want it to be Jones on the left, and I think it will be Jones on the left, but I also wouldn't be shocked if if this is a start for Gravenberch because of the Ooh. minutes Jones has played at this point and the fact that Gravenberch got brought off a little bit early against um, Leicester. And then the front three, I think, picks itself. You've got Salah on the right, you've got Nunes up top, and you've got Luis Diaz on the left. And then you bring on Gakpo and Jota if he needs to change the game, which is an absolutely lovely problem to have. 
Yeah, that front that front line scares the life out of me. Not Nunes, not to be disrespectful. I think he's a not good player. Not Nunes. He doesn't scare me. No, I'm just being real. He doesn't He'll scare, scare me, you bro. on Saturday, bro. I guarantee oh, you, please. you'll yeah, realise. Let, me not, let me not jinx it. Let me not jinx it, but he doesn't <laughs> scare me. But Salah and Diaz do scare the life out of me, um, especially because, like you said, if we're being real, our fullbacks like to go forward and they're not known to be defensive stalwarts. So that's a tricky one. But I do think Mickey van der Ven and Romero should have enough for Nunes. You know, but let me not overdo it and, and jinx it. Mm-hmm. I, I think Nunes is a lot better again than people give him credit for. It's a weird one because he misses chances he should definitely score, but then they score a goal, you're like, huh? How did he do that? Considering exactly the chance that, yeah. dismissed. It's a weird one, but I think he's a decent player. But yeah, it's the Diaz and Salah combination that scares me. Do, do you want to front three? I think would worry Tottenham the most. I think it would be Salah, Gakpo, Nunes. If you had Nunes oh, back on the left like he done last year. 100. So you just have a Nunes just straight run behind Porro because I think Porro isn't a great blindside defender. I, yeah. I, I think he's very, you know, he sees what's in front of him, but anything else, no, that doesn't bother him. And Gakpo, mm. he drops in, he links up, he could maybe drag out Romero, who is a bit aggressive, create the space for Nunes to run into. But I also think Gakpo probably the best bet to stifle the build-up play into Basuma. Because Tottenham really loves to go, they'll chuck Van der Ven and Romero dead wide at build up, and Basuma drops in as the third centre back almost yeah. And, yeah. and brings it forward. So Gakpo probably the best bet mm. to sit on him and not, he's not going to mark out the game because you're not going to do that, but cover the passing lanes, maybe make him receive the ball in worse areas, kill off a couple of attacks that could have formed. I don't think that's what's going to happen, but if I was trying to set up to counter the way Tottenham build up, that's probably the way I'd do it because I think. Nunes pins back Porro because he he can only defend what's in front of him, and he, mm. he'd have to sit back to deal with that. I'll again, mm. I, I'm looking at it now. The Gomez and Alexander Arnold thing. It's this either going to be that, or mm. it's going to be Canate and Joe Gomez at right back. I just don't know if he chucks in Trent straight away. I I personally wouldn't. I think defensively. Oh, man. I was going to ask you, you this as well. So yeah, no, no. I I think to be fair, you've just made the exact point about Porro that I was going to make about Trent. I think Trent is not a good blindside defender. I, I don't think he's good one-on-one defensively either. And listen, I don't think he's an awful defender. I want to make that clear. I don't think he's as bad as people make him out to be. But if I'm choosing defensively, who I want there, him or Joe Gomez, when it comes up against what might be one of the best wingers in the league, you know, Son is head and shoulders, like probably one of the few forwards that I would look at in the league other than our own and go. To be fair though, Mike, I yeah. only done that on the basis that Son would be up front. No, I got that. I, no, even, I don't, no, I I don't think they'd chuck a Charleston up front. I, I thought it would be Son up top and then Solomon mm. on the left. And I think so, Solomon's fair. a good player. He's, he's very direct, which I think Trent is, has the sort of novelty of struggling against. But yeah, he's not Son. I, though, I, had, it? The, I, yeah. I had this debate earlier. It, it's about what you weigh up more. And I think once mm. Trent's reintegrated back into the team, you start seeing him get up to speed and linking up again. What he yep. brings on an attacking end and a creativity end, which will free oh, up cool. more of Diaz, free up more yeah, of Nunes, free up more of Salah. For me, it's always worthwhile mm-hmm. having That's that exactly what I dropping no, quality yeah. to to accommodate for a player as creative as him. And I also think, I, I know it, it, it seems a little bit counterintuitive, it brings out the best out of Canarte and Gomez because I think both of mm. them are, I, I describe them as, as puppies. They need constant sort of Otherwise, they have the novelty of switching off. So sometimes, go. yeah, like Joe yeah. Gomez, if he doesn't have to do any defending for 10 minutes, will then often misplace his next pass or 
under his yeah, So I like having the idea that they're always constantly having to be on their feet, thinking yeah. where they gotta go. That keeps them yeah. on the toes, it brings the levels up. And I think that's why you play the system as it is. Mm. Listen, mm. I think long term you're right. I think long term, obviously, Trent comes back. There's no debate there. Like, and by no means do I think Joe Gomez will keep Trent out of the lineup, but I do think long I said for the game itself. Yeah, I think he's just a better option. I wouldn't throw Trent in the deep end for this. I could say that Trent could come on and play an absolute blinder, but I, you know, I think for now I'd start Joe Gomez just for the defensive structure of the team, and plus he, he's not really been putting many foot, uh, feet wrong. You know what I mean? So it'd be I'd feel quite bad to drop him. And in terms of the front line, you know, I agree with the entire team. Tom said for the most part, literally, than that little argument there. I think Nunes up against Romero could cause absolute carnage. And I'm excited by that. And uh, I think Diaz v. Porro as well, off the blind side, it could just be a bit of a nightmare. Their biggest strength for me is James Madison. I think I think if he does start, he could cause absolute carnage against us as well. Because I think him on McAllister, that's a, a proper sixes that have been at it for years, struggle against Madison. And I think McAllister would have a right game on his hand if he had to come up against him as well. So be a very interesting game. Yeah. Absolutely, and just on the Trent thing as well. Like Trent is my favourite player in in this squad at the minute. He just is. I, I absolutely adore him, and I would just put him back in. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. He's a superstar. He's the vice captain. I'm sorry if he's fit. He plays this game. We can't be sat there thinking tactically. Can we use him? No, we've put him on this pedestal as the best right back in Premier League history. Well, I have anyway. So you go and play this game. You know what I mean? We don't shy him away from it because it might be tough for him defensively. If he's fit, you play him. That's just how I see it. The only reason why I wouldn't play him in this game is if he's not ready because I wouldn't want that to impact the future. You know, Brighton, I'd, I want him there because, you know, Brighton, again, yeah. very difficult game. So, tactically, I know I 100% get the argument for Gomez, but I just think if Trent's available, I just I just don't see him not playing. He, Like I said, he's a superstar. He's the vice captain. He's in the leadership group. We have to be playing him in these games because this is a big game. This is a huge game. So that's my little thing on Trent. But the rest of the team, I, I do agree with, to be fair. Um, I think the interesting uh, one as well is um, Endo because, like we said, McAllister's not yes. a DM. He's, he's got, I, I like him. I think he's a fantastic footballer. I don't think we've seen the best of him because he's had to sacrifice a lot of his game to fill in this spot. Uh-huh. Mm. Can you mm. not see that happening, though? Can you not see him being almost like Genie Wijnaldum in the sense that he, I don't think we're going to play a standard six anyway. I don't think we do that anyway. But can you not keep? Can you not see the the idea of maybe we obviously Trent coming back and in inverted? You got him, McAllister, Jones, and they kind of share that role. Him and Sobersly as well. You know, they all kind oh, of share no, that I, role. I, I I expect to see the fluid sort of system that we've been playing. Yeah. I just think though, it's always going to fall back on McAllister to sacrifice his game to accommodate yeah. for everyone. I think. It'll get even worse when Trent's back because at least when Gomez is there, he's he's not attack mind in the same way. So mm. when Joe Gomez inverts, McAllister then gets the license to go forwards. As good as McAllister is, the moment Trent's back in that team inverting, you do you are not more creative than Trent, so you lose that right mm. to go forwards. I think McAllister's going to shine for us still, but in games like this where we you can identify where the danger man is, and it's the number ten, and Madison is so good at receiving the ball. And you, especially driving once he receives it on that half turn, he's he's such a threat. Is this a game where the the staff go? Do we just have Endo? And the game I always hop back to was a United game, United against Chelsea, when Mourinho basically just sat hand, and Herrera down and went, 
You see Eden Hazard, you follow Hazard, him. Yeah. Whenever he goes, you go. Yeah. Could we see something, not in the same breath, because you don't need DM getting dragged out everywhere, but a zonal sort of thing where he plays Endo and goes, you're DM. The moment Madison enters your area, you go pick up Madison. The rest will learn. That We'll figure out the rest, mm. but we can't let the ball get into Madison. I mm. don't see it happening because he played the full yeah. 90 against Leicester. It was very good mm. against Leicester as well, by the I way. I thought he was very good. But yeah, deserves deserves a lot. I was man of the match for me. Yeah, yeah it, it defensively was very good. And it's always good to have that option on the bench. I wouldn't be shocked to see him come on if we're winning with like yeah. 20 to go and ju- just being on to shut down the game a little bit more. But is he going to start? I think that's another interesting dilemma that will be thought about a little bit before the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, guys, we are going to wrap up there because time has just quickly flown by. Um, it's been a really good conversation. Obviously, Patrick coming on the show is uh, has been really good because that, that, that we always say on these preview shows, it's good to get somebody else on because the West Ham game proved that we didn't get to watch it. Well, I didn't anyway because I'm not I'm not a fake fan like Tom. I don't watch other teams when Liverpool play. <laughs> but, um, it is what it Ruthless. Is, but, um, wow, man. But yeah, Patrick for coming on, mate. just want to tell the guys where they can find you. and. Uh... Yeah, no. Like, honestly, thanks for having me on. Obviously, Tom, I stream with you all the time. Ben, I streamed with you quite a bit. But Mike, it's been a pleasure, man. been a pleasure yeah, meeting man. you. Today. Definitely going to follow you after this. But uh, for everyone I doesn't know me, Patrick Tyrant. Twitter is where you'll catch me with all my football takes and everything I'm doing. Same on Instagram. But yeah, um, I'm on the football terrace more often than not, repping Tottenham. I'm on um, uh, Last Word on Spurs, which is a huge Spurs platform, probably the best one out there. I'm a regular one there. Uh, I stream with Saeed. We do a best of the rest show with uh, a lot of good uh podcasters i'm on femsy's best of the rest sorry femsy's premier league unpacked and then i've obviously got my own stuff as well so yeah you can catch me here though on everywhere man just mm, follow me on twitter you'll see what i'm up to so yeah busy guy busy. but when ben hit me up as you can see i had to make time for you lot. i was like no i need oh, to jump on this so legend, yeah man. you know what i'm not even lying the amount of people i said no to this week but i was like no nah, i have to i have to <laughs> oh, appreciate that bro so, yeah man and it's been a pleasure Massively. like you said the hours uh, flown like by shows shows it's been a good conversation yeah absolutely so guys if you're watching this live or if you're watching this on the replay because i I think a few people watch it tomorrow to be fair but um yeah make sure you you follow patrick on his social show him some love he's a top top guy you know when when i i made the list pre-season of who i was getting on for each team there was only one person so make sure you check him out guys drop him a follow (laughs) subscribe all of that jazz and uh me mike and uh tom if he's not too busy we'll um We'll see you after the Tottenham game, whether we win, lose, or draw. We'll be on here Saturday <laughs> evening, probably around 8 p.m. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully it will be a good one. So, uh, smash the like button, subscribe if you're new, and uh, we'll see you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.